This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today. In all probability, we have some watching for the first time, and thank you for tuning in to watch our telecast today. Today we're going to discuss a subject, subject that should capture the, the attention and the thinking of us all. Prepare to meet your God. We want to think about that text, today, that subject today as we'll be discussing an Old Testament text. Stay tuned. Now today we continue to offer a free Bible correspondence course that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive the course. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 877 I want to read from Amos chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Therefore thus will I do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel, for behold, he who forms mountains and creates the wind, who declares to man what is his thought and makes the morning darkness, who treads the high places of the earth, the Lord God of hosts is his name. Ancient Israel had defied God. And now they're being called out into the open to face the issues that had been drawn up between them and God. And there is one thing that is abundantly clear. No one should ever select God as an opponent. No one should ever find themselves on the wrong side of God. And Amos assigns some reasons why this is the case. Why a person should never find themselves on the wrong side of God? Because God is um, an omnipotent God, an all-powerful God. He is a God who forms the mountains. He is a God who creates the wind. A person should never find himself on the wrong side of God because God is omniscient. That means he is an all-knowing God. He declares to man what is his thought. There isn't a thought that we would entertain that God does not know. He knows our thoughts. And it's a mistake to select that kind of a God as your opponent. 
And a man should never select God as his enemy because God is an omnipresent God. He makes the morning darkness and he treads the high places of the earth. In the language of a song that many used to sing years ago, he is here, he is there, and he is everywhere. He is an omnipresent God. And a person should never find himself in opposition to God because God is the Lord of hosts. He is the God of armies. And so Amos said, you need to prepare to meet your God. Now, in reality, there are a number of ways that we meet God. We meet God in nature. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. We can see God in the golden sunset, in the Milky Way. We can hear the voice of God in the song of the bird in the murmur of the brook, in the ebbing and the flowing of the tide. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. So we meet God in nature. We also meet God in revelation. That is in the Bible. We are indebted to the Bible to tell us that there is one God in whom we live and move and have our being, Acts 17. That there is one God who is over us all, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 6. So we meet God in Revelation. It is the Bible that tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we meet God in worship. Our Lord said that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. When we come together to worship God on the Lord's day, he is the one for whom we have come. We have come for him. I fear sometimes that we think worship is more of a place to be entertained. And in some quarters, worship, the so-called worship service has turned into more of a, of a concert-type atmosphere. And it's to please the people who have come. We are in a worship service to please our God, God is the one for us to please. John 4, 24 said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We meet God in worship. Also, we meet God in death. Hebrews 9, 27 says, it's appointed unto a man once to die. I don't really know anything you can do to stop that. Now, you can eat the right kind of food. You can get the proper amount of rest. You can exercise. You can do all of the things that are, are known to promote good health. 
but still someday you're going to leave this world in death. It's appointed unto a man once to die. Strength cannot avail against the warrior called death, or else Samson, the strong man in the Bible, would not have died. Righteousness cannot stop the onslaught of death, or, or else countless righteous people like Peter and Paul and James and John would not have died. And wisdom cannot outsmart death, or else Solomon, the wise man of the Old Testament, would not have died. One day we will meet God in death. And just as we meet God in death, one day we will meet him in the judgment. In 2 Corinthians the fifth chapter, and in verse 10, the Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one must receive the things done in his body according to they have done, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And so one day we're going to meet God on the day of judgment, and that's going to be the greatest day in the history of the world. And hence, Amos told God's people of them long ago, prepare to meet God. Now the meeting that Amos had in mind was a temporal judgment that was coming, and they were going into captivity unless they repented of their, of their sins. But you and I, one day, have an appointed time that we're going to meet God in the judgment. And thus we ought to prepare to meet God. Amos said to Israel, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. And if there was a way that I could herald a message to, throughout the world to every individual that lives on the face of this earth, the message would be, you need to prepare yourself to meet God one day. You say, well, Brother Lambert, why should we prepare to meet God? But well, one of the reasons is because God told us to do so. If there was no other verse in all of the Bible that would recommend and suggest to us that we have to prepare to meet God someday, if that only verse in the Bible is Amos 4 and 12, then I would believe it. But over and over again, there are verses throughout the Bible that suggest to us that one day we will meet him, and hence we ought to make ourselves uh, be prepared for that meeting. For example, in Romans the 14th chapter in verse number 12, so then every one of us must give an account of himself to God. That day is coming, and thus we ought to prepare ourselves. We ought to prepare because God said to do it, and he doesn't have to say something over and over and over again to mean it. When he says it one time, that's enough. We ought to prepare to meet God because the very nature of heaven itself demands that I prepare to meet him. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. So you see, heaven is prepared for people who are prepared. A prepared place for prepared people is just right. But a prepared people 
a prepared place, rather, for an unprepared people is not right. We need to prepare to meet God because the nature of heaven demands that I do that very thing, that I make that preparation. But then the nature of sin demands that I prepare to meet God. Sin is a great deceiver. Sin promises health and it brings sickness. Sin promises light and it brings darkness. Sin promises joy and it brings sorrow. Sin promises salvation and it brings damnation. Sin promises love and it gives you hate. Sin promises you heaven and in the place of it, it gives you hell. It's a great deceiver and the only way that you and I can be ready to meet God is to come to grips with the sin that we have in our lives. I, I don't know how old a person should be when they are baptized. Now, I don't. Now, now, maybe you have been wise enough to figure all of that out. I don't think there's a magical age. Uh, some say, well, you shouldn't be baptized until you're 12 years old. Where do you read that in the Bible? That's not in the Bible. Someone says, well, you can be baptized when you're uh, 15 years old. Where do you read that in the Bible? I don't know how old a person should be. They need to be old enough that they understand that they have sinned against God and they need to be forgiven of their sin and then they need to know what to do and then they're ready to be baptized. But now let's just assume for the sake of argument that you became accountable for your sins when you were 12 years old and now you're 50 years old, do you realize that if you became accountable to God for your sins when you were 12 years of age and now you're 50 years old, that you've got 38 years of living without God and living with sin in your life stacked up and piled up against you? I just really don't believe you want to meet God like that. The very nature of sin and the reality of sin demands we prepare to meet God. Well, someone says, well, Brother Lambert, how do we prepare to meet God? What must I do to prepare to meet God in death and in the judgment and to meet God and to face God on life's other side? Well, now let's just use some common sense. Let's just use some logic. If I could learn from the Bible what people in the first century did to prepare to meet God. And if I were to do the exact same thing they did today to prepare to meet God, let me ask you a question. Why wouldn't I be prepared to meet God today? If I could find out what they did in the first century in preparing to meet God, then I'd do that very same thing today then why wouldn't I be prepared to meet God? Someone said, well, you would. If you were to do what people in the Bible did to prepare to meet God, if you'd do that today, then you'd be prepared just like they are prepared. Well, that's what I'd like for us to think about. I want us to think about how we would find out what people in the Bible did to prepare to meet God. Now, one of the very best places that I, I would suggest that you read 
is the second chapter of Acts, the entire chapter. There are 48, 47 verses in that chapter. And I want to recommend that you read all 47 verses of Acts chapter 2. And you will find the, these facts borne out in chapter 2. It was the day of Pentecost. They were in the city of Jerusalem. And it was on this occasion that the apostle Peter preached the first regarded sermon under the commission that Jesus gave to go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now beginning in verse 22, Peter said, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves also know. Now let's stop and think about what Peter's saying to them. He said, I want you to listen to me because I want to tell you about Jesus of Nazareth. And he's a man attested by God. God put his stamp of approval upon this man by the miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him, in, listen to this, in your midst, right in your very presence. The thing that's interesting, no one stood up and said, no, that's not true, Peter, because they knew that it was true. Now, verse 23, him, that is Jesus, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. Now, that's a kind way of saying you killed God's son. Now, verse 24, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. So he raised him from the dead. And then he quotes a prophecy from David in the 16th Psalm, that thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. And Peter explains that prophecy in verse 34, 31. He foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor his flesh see corruption. Now, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what should we do? That's another way of asking, what must we do to prepare to meet God? What must we do? Well, now, how do you suppose Peter answered them? Then Peter said to them, I'm, I'm reading now the next verse, 38, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh, here's the answer. The question is, what shall we do? Here's the answer. Let every one of you repent of your sins. Let every one of you be baptized. And all of that is for the remission of your sins. And if your sins are remitted, you're going to be prepared to meet God. Somebody says, well, I, I've heard men say something different than that. I, well, I realize that men say a lot of things about how to prepare to meet God, and 
that you can't read in the Bible. But this is an example that God had Luke, the historian, to pen for us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so people in the 21st century would know how they prepare to meet God. Now let me read it again. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. So there were about 3,000 souls baptized that day according to verse 41. And then the Lord added those people to the church. Verse 47. And here's what people did in Bible times to prepare to meet God. They believed on Jesus, repented of their sins, confessed their faith in Christ, baptized for the remission of their sins. Would you do that today? Would you be baptized as a penitent, confessing believer in Jesus Christ that you might be prepared to meet God? But then someone might say, well, Brother Lambert, I hear what you're saying. I hear why... We should prepare to meet God. And then I see from the Bible now what people did in the Bible to prepare to meet God. I, I know that's not what some preachers are saying today, but, but if it's in the Bible, Brother Lambert, I believe it. I believe it because it's the Word of God. Just when should I prepare to meet God? Well, friend, the Bible always talks about today, that today is the day of salvation. And I want you to think about it. Why would you want to put off until tomorrow something so important as the salvation of your soul? That is preparing yourself to come face to face with God one day in the judgment. I, I don't know why anyone would want to put it off. The Bible talks about today. Let, let me tell you the reasons that, that you don't need to put it off. One, one reason is because you may not live much longer. The fact is, as we've already pointed out, one day we'll meet God in death. So, so none of us has a perpetual lease on life. In James, the fourth chapter, the statement is made in verse 13, go to now you that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year, buy and sell and get gain. For whereas you not, know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? And ask, what is your life? And he answers, it is but a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. We don't have a lot of time left. Some may have more time left than others. I may be speaking to some young person now. You say, well, I've got a whole life ahead of me. But young, old people will die and young people may die. That's just something we don't know. And so all of us have an appointment with death. That's one reason we need to prepare to meet God. Another thing to consider is tomorrow you might be so calloused and hardened to the message of the gospel that, that the message doesn't appeal to you anymore. Ephesians 4.19 speaks of those past feeling. They just got to the point that they, they don't have that feeling. 1 Timothy chapter 4 talks about having our conscience seared with a hot iron. That is, our conscience doesn't bother us anymore. 
Doesn't bother me to disobey God. Doesn't bother me not to be a Christian. Doesn't bother me at all. You see, you can get to that point. And so while your conscience is tender, while the message appeals to you, I would suggest that you do something about it, that you do it today. I remember when I was a boy growing up in Middle Tennessee, living out on the farm in the spring of the year, I would get out just as soon as it got warm enough without shoes on. And I'd begin to walk around in the yard and I'd begin to run around down the road and there were stones mostly on that road. It wasn't just a dirt road, it was dirt and rocks. And I can remember the spring of the year I'd walk down that road and those rocks would hurt my feet. But you know by the end of the summer, I could get out and I could just run down that road and you could almost see the sparks fly from my feet. What happened? They hardened over a period of time. They became callous to the rocks and hardened to the rocks on the road. That can happen to your soul. You can become hardened to the message about our Lord. And I would appeal to you to become a Christian and prepare to meet God while the message appeals to you. And then also, tomorrow could bring the judgment for every one of us. It's coming one day. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus said, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all of his holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats, and he'll set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. That's days coming. Uh, you can just mark that down. Jesus is coming someday. And tomorrow could bring the return of our Lord. Would you be prepared if that were to happen? You see, we ought to live every day as though that's the day we expect Jesus to come back. To be prepared. So I plead with you, prepare to meet your God. Some of the saddest things that I've ever had to happen in my life as a minister is to talk to some individual who knows they need to be a Christian and they put it off and keep putting it off until one day their family calls and said, Brother Lambert, we hate to tell you this, but so-and-so just died. And they died without ever making preparation to meet their God. But some of the happiest things that ever happened to me See a person live a godly life and then they close down their eyelids to sleep with hope in their heart because they prepared to meet God. I would urge you, prepare to meet your God today. Prepare today. I want to thank you for watching today. May God bless you till we meet again. May the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to know your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, 
or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.